Welcome back, everybody, to the Cultivate Podcast. Yo, I'm chilling right now, Matt. I'm not going to lie. I just got back home from church and lunch, chilling. Um, yeah, I'm in my seat just reclining right now. I still got my church clothes on, if I'm being honest. But hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Cultivate Podcast. I just <laughs> wanted to chill, man. Um, that's that's going to stay in there. But, Matt, h- how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I, uh, you know, I, I kind of slept in, so I watched church online and I just had like the biggest lunch of my life. So yeah, I'm chilling. What'd you, what'd you have? I, uh, I had uh, a burrito, like a large burrito, a big old burrito, a big burrito. Yeah. Like you fine. see, I'm not, I'm not even in regular clothes. I have my flannel pajama pants on. I went and got a burrito in pajama pants. So yeah, that's, that's my life right now. That's what's up. I I'm still, I have my, uh, I, I kind of dressed up a little nice today. Like, it's tie. I didn't wear a blazer. But I had, like, the white collar, some nice um, some nice pants on, a nice tie, and I had the shoes that matched the tie. So that was dope. Um, but, yeah, church was church was good today. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful... We're recording this on Sunday, guys. We normally... We don't have a set schedule. If I'm being honest, we really don't. We kind of usually do. Saturday. It's usually Saturday, but yesterday was Christmas. The we celebrate the birth of baby Jesus. Hey Amen. That's lit. Yeah. Uh, how, how was your Christmas, Matt? Uh, it, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. How was yours? It was. It was good. I'm not gonna lie, I spent majority of the day building Legos. Not gonna uh, lie. That's, that's what's up. Yeah. 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 I got six Lego sets. Not the flex. Not to flex. Um, Aren't you 20? Yep, I sure am. I'm ba- <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I'm sure I'm sure someone can relate that. Someone, yeah, can, yeah. someone can relate. It, I'm 20 years old building Lego sets. I know people who are like 30, 40 and still building Lego sets. Lego, yeah, does, Lego doesn't die. Lego doesn't have an age limit, dude. You know that? You know that? I, well, it do, it does. On the box, it says ninety nine. So no ninety nine, man. Sorry, guys. If you're a century old, you can't play with Legos. <laughs> oh man, I feel bad for Jesus. Like Jesus can't build Legos because man's like over two thousand years old, really. <laughs> man can create a whole new universe, but can't create Legos. Can't build Legos. Sorry, guys. The Bible restricts Jesus from. Uh, on 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 the other side, guys. We hope that you're having. Uh, I hope you guys had a great Christmas. Uh, this episode is probably gonna go out tomorrow, the twenty seventh. Uh, we got the new year coming up. Big things are coming for Cultivate. I'm really excited for twenty twenty two. Um, gonna have we have or I have new equipment coming in to make the videos better. Same. Like, everything better for real. For real. Do you do you want to tell the the listeners what we got? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, no, it's gonna come in later. But I'm just gonna yeah, get later. a better microphone instead of using like the Apple wired headphones, uh, like yeah. you know, microphone. So it actually sounds better when I talk in videos and whatnot. So that's okay. gonna be fun. Okay, I I have the um, I got I got a good amount. I'm blessed. I'm not I'm not saying this to boast, guys, because unfortunately, um, some kids do not they're not able to spend and have a Christmas. But I don't say this is boast. Um, but I did. I did get a good amount of Christmas money this year from uh, friends and family, and I got myself a Mac Mini. I I got myself a a Mac Mini. 
It's coming in. All right, you're going to have to tell me how that as, how that is. Oh, yeah. It's coming in about three weeks. Uh, I still got to buy the monitors and the yeah. the external docks so I can like plug in stuff. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, besides all that, we kind of just spent the first four minutes of the recording just <laughs> talking. But, <laughs> guys, we want to talk about... Um, like youth like us generation z like the millennials and everything this is kind of like a common theme of like the past like three now three episodes that we've talked about is just like this is this this podcast is really like adults can listen to it as well you guys can i'm definitely not discrediting that but since matt and i are like younger it's it's more targeted to like our demographic our age group uh, but we yeah. want we want to talk about like just youth, youth in the church, uh, the future. I I did a sermon on this uh, about yeah it was a week ago. Um, but, but Matt, what do you feel is is the youth's biggest responsibility now inside the church in twenty twenty one? Uh, reaching others, because I find out that like um. In the inner circle of the church and stuff, it is easy to talk to people and help and minister to them. But what, like, what millennials and Gen Z are really great out, really great at, is reaching out to the outside world and reaching out to others and making the disciples of all nations, like going on TikTok and whatnot. Because, like, evangelists like Billy Graham, like he was great in going out and like actually going there. But now as a youth where we can actually all collectively just go on our phones and make a TikTok and reach a lot of people. It's like what I talked about uh, last podcast. It's just such a blessing to have, but not a lot of people are u- utilizing it as much as they should. I, I, so that's, that's, it's, that's so true. Yeah. It's, as you even said that in the last episode, like not a lot of kids who, especially true Christian, like followers of Jesus, um, they're just, they're not using resources where they're not. It's, yeah. I, I believe like the number one reason why is just, it, it's the fear aspect. It's the fear of being judged, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out on like worldly things. Um, it's the fear of just being made fun of, picked on, ridiculed, persecuted to even like, to an an extreme uh, aspect. It's, I was even kind of nervous at it at first. I was, Oh, same. Like, like, you know, whenever like, whenever you kind of start building a following on social media, who, who are the first followers that you get normally? Your friends and your family, people who are close to you. So they're the ones kind of consuming your content up front. And they're the ones, a lot of people, if you start making content and you start getting a following and stuff, you're really your make or break point. If you're going to continue on doing it nine times out of 10 is going to be within like the first 1000 followers. And those the majority of those thousand followers um, are not, I wouldn't say majority, but the definitely the start first, like hundred is probably going to be like your friends, family, people that, you know, kids around your school. If you have a big school, um, they're going to be the ones following you. So they're going to be the ones kind of first judging you. So a lot of people get very discouraged about that because especially I would say the hardest people to talk to about Jesus, in my opinion, would be your family. It's yeah. 
it's weird. You know, it's really weird. It's like, you think that, especially if you grew up in a quote unquote Christian home. Yeah. It's, it's like, you don't, you don't know. It's like, should I talk about Jesus? Should I, should I really explain my faith to them? And yep. it's, it's really hard, especially if your family is like a non-believers. If, or if like your family is like, say, um, say like, you have a family of five, and you have two. Or hey, no, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say this. Say you grew up in a Catholic family, and you turned away from the Catholic Church, and you started becoming like Protestant or non-denominational. Oh, it's really hard to talk about in that situation. Oh yeah, because Catholicism just has like very specific traditions, very specific. Uh, the values that they hold and that they have to hold to even just stay in the Catholic church. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking in my opinion. That yes. we, yeah, we can't even talk about it. So I completely understand what you're saying, Matt, when it comes to kids aren't using the resources. I just believe the number one thing is just fear. It's because mm. no one, no one wants to be made fun of. No one wants to be judged. That's just human nature at that point. Yeah, and it's also like the fact of a lot of people want to have as much information as possible in order to say the right things. Because, you know, if you're going to be preaching and talking about God and stuff, you want to be sure you know your stuff. And it seems like a lot of times people go to the Bible and they look for answers, but when things get frustrating, they just give up. Yep. They're just like, yeah, it's too hard. Like, uh, God, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. Hopefully you'll give me a revelation then. But if you're reading like five or six verses, then you're going to miss the point of the entire chapter. Yep. You have to like read it all in context first, because sometimes there's been so many times where I read something, I was so stuck and confused on it. The very next paragraph explains it entirely. Yep. It's insane. Also, like verses, I mean, not verses, but websites like Got Questions is great. Uh, Topical Bible is amazing, where like you can just literally look up on Google, uh, like a kind of outline of what this verse means or like how like to go about this. Yep. That there's just so many open and free resources, like so many like sermons online and teachings online that are free that everybody can utilize, but you have to know where to look. And you have to make sure, you know, they're biblically accurate because you don't want to be consuming all this false stuff. But it's just so easy to go out and literally just type on Google or YouTube just like a question and just to look at it. But not a lot of people want to do it because it feels like they're not that interested. They don't have that like passion and hyper focus as they do in like sports and video games and music and whatnot. And exactly. it's annoying. Oh, yeah, it is. Another another topic that I want to bring up, uh, just like surrounding youth and just the yeah. fear of going out is in our generation. I like I target mostly everything I say when I say like generation. I I'm talking about Generation Z. Talk about kids my age, um, because my generation is the first generation to grow up in a non technology time. Everything that we have been through, everything we have grown up with, it's been surrounded by technology. And when it comes up, when technology yeah. comes, a lot of opinions come, news comes, politics come. I would just say, you kind of, you're kind of seeing what I'm getting at here, Matt. 
we have yeah. a lot of very controversial topics. Abortion. Yeah. Sexual sin. Homosexuality. Um, Literally anything telling people what they're doing is wrong. Exactly. Even, even, even just... Um, even telling someone that their that their ego is too high. Yeah. <laughs> even telling someone that yo, do you kill your pride, kill your ego. Yeah. People get offended by that. You see, bingo. There's a theme. Offensive. A lot of people, and and just I got sorry, but the Bible is offensive. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it, it is because it tells Very people to so. live a certain life, and when people say. I have freedom. I can live how, however I want. You can. Go ahead. I encourage you not to, but I'm not going to stop you. Because you have free will. Yeah. God allows that to happen. Yeah. Because he loves us. Now, does he Now does he not say he wants the best for us? He says that. He wants the best for us. He. That's why he gave us a whole book to guide us. That's why he sent his son to save us. But he still gives us gives us a choice. It's like I love the yeah. analogy. Is that say, say you're a kid, five years old, and and you got, and you got your dad. Now you live in a suburban neighborhood where there's a lot of traffic in the area, and there's cars flying throughout the street. And your dad says, "Listen, hey, don't go on that street. You're gonna get hurt. Don't go out in it." Now, now can he forcefully restrict you? Um, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, but when he gives you does freedom, he? yeah, does God give you that restriction? No, he gives you the freedom. Just as like a lenient, loving father would not want to hold you in there and make you stay in like a room or something. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I suck at describing it, but God is that father telling that child, don't go out into that area or you'll get hurt. He says, you can play in the yard, but don't go over there. Just as in the Garden of Eden, God says, hey, listen, you can go all around. You can eat from any tree you want. But that one? No, you can't. Now, did he lock down that tree to stop Adam and Eve from getting? No. That tree was still there. You can still eat that fruit. That's the example of free will. That's the example yeah. that God is still here. Another example that my friend Tess actually texted me today. She she was saying she was I'm not gonna give up specifics it's not my right to say, but she was going through a hard time, and she was wondering the cliche question, why is God making me go through this pain? Yeah, and she was saying this analogy of when sculptures when they're made, God is using us as a sculpture, breaking us, breaking off pieces of us, forming us under pressure. You know, you know, Matthew, you know that's how diamonds are made. Oh, yeah. Through extreme pressure. And heat. And heat. Hard. Hard. Temptations. Trials. A lot of things are going to happen for us to form into that diamond. Yeah. To form into that beautiful sculpture. We have to be chiseled off. We have to have parts more detailed and harder than others. But in the end... We are going to be made into a beautiful, amazing work of art in God's image. We were, we were reading that and we were studying that in, in Bible study today. We, we went to Genesis saying that even though we are all uniquely made, even though we all have, do we have, there's no fingerprint 
alike. It's, yep. it's, it's impossible. There's no two eye sets that are exactly alike. There's no DNA that is 100% exactly alike. We are all uniquely made, but the thing that keeps us together is that we were all made in the image of God. Hey, if you read in Genesis, the animals, the creatures, it never says that they were made in the image of God. It's the second that God says, let, let us, let me make, not let us, let me make human beings. He made it in the image of God. Genesis 1, I believe chapter, or Genesis 1 verses 26 through 27 says that. It's, it's an amazing thing. We're all uniquely made in the image of God. Wilson, you're probably getting off topic. What are you talking about? No, this wraps up into the same thing. We're made in the image of God, which allows us to have perseverance, to, which allows us to be, to be confident and thankful in our Lord and Savior. That's a, that's, yeah. that, that's a way that our youth and our generation can get past all that, can get past all the controversial topics, to not make what we own or what we think we are don't make that our identity don't make your career your personality don't i'm gonna say this don't make your sexual orientation your personality your personality is based off your or your your identity is based off your relationship with christ that's how it is yeah yeah it it ultimately comes down to trust everything in this life, it comes down to trust, even if you like seeing it or not. Because you see, if I were to go up to my mom, right, and she goes, hey, I love you, and I go, prove it. Buy me something. <sighs> Give me a hug. Do yeah. something and prove that you love me. You see, that would be me not trusting her, and then, you know, she would rightfully get offended. Yep. You trust the chair you're sitting on because every single time you go to sit down, you don't inspect it to make sure that it's in tip-top shape. No, you trust it. You sit down, and if you fall, you fall. Yep. You trust the pilot that you've never met in your life. You trust the pilot you get on. You trust him with your life, but you just get on regularly like you like you are 100% certain you're getting off that plane. Yep. You see, it's so weird because we can trust in these things that not always work, that are not always there, these fallible human beings. But when it comes to the God of the universe that says stuff and just says, please trust me, it seems like we can't. He go, He's not without proof either because everything he has said and done, there are fossil records for, archaeological records, like everything in history points back to exactly what God said. God even showed through his word some scientific things that the scientific community didn't find till hundreds of years later. He's just like, hey, please just trust me. But every single time he says something, everybody wants to be a skeptic and not trust him and try to look for the answers without him. And it's really frustrating because with that, if you live a life of not trusting God, then you lean on your own understanding. And with that, it's like leaning on a brick wall that has no submit to put anything together. If you lean on that, you're going right through that wall. But yep. if you lean on an actual built brick wall, which is of God and of his word, then you will be standing firm even though you're leaning on it. It says multiple times, it says in Romans that you are either a slave to your sin, like to the world, to doing all these sinful things that you don't even understand are bad, 
a lot of times people like kind of understand it. That's why they do it in like the darkness and at nighttime. So they can't be seen by anybody because it's shameful. But a lot of times they just do it because they feel like they have to peer pressure or because they get a little dopamine strike, which is like a, a feel good chemical in your head. But ultimately, what it comes down to is it is wrong and you are enslaved to it without even knowing it. So it's either you're in a slave to that and you only want to do this, like you only want to do sin and stuff, or you are what not a lot of Christians like being told, but you are a slave to Christ. You see, back then, when they were talking about slavery in the New Testament, in the Old Testament and whatever, it wasn't talking about the forced slavery that they had in the old United States and like Africa and all of that in the slave trade. It wasn't them forcefully ripping away like you from your land, but no, it was rather to settle a debt. It essentially is the same thing as going to, let's say, Chili's and you racking up a debt. You're like, hey, Bill, it's 50 bucks. And you're like, crap, I don't have enough money to pay off that. Then you can go in the back and wash dishes and pay it off. It essentially is the same thing with the slavery back then is because if you had a debt, you would go and you'd submit to your master, meaning like you would just like listen to what they said. You would listen to their rules. You would follow them and you would pay off that debt. So when we are a slave to Christ and a slave to righteousness, that means we sit down, we listen, we respect. He's more powerful than we are. He is more wise than we are. He is everything better than we are. So we should trust in him and not trust on ourselves because we act like we are infallible, but rather that's just our pride killing us on the inside and us not knowing it. So we have to step back and let God take control because whenever we take control, it always, and I mean always fails, at least from my personal experience. Me too. It's, yeah. it's, it's failed with me too. Every, every time I've tried to fix my life, Especially with all the mental stuff that I that I went through, it, it when I tried to fix it myself, yeah, it, it never worked. It never did. Yeah, I, I I never fully felt fulfilled. I never felt quote unquote healed. I never felt healed. I never felt yeah. that my problems were just gone. Now, I still have those problems because I'm human, but they're not at the greater extent that they were. When I was away from God. Yeah. This this gonna be like, oh, he's saying this because he's on a Christian podcast and he's a he's good, he's a pastor and he's he's doing all no, I'm saying this because this is this is truly what happened. When I started giving my problems to God and when I started following him and him only, my depression and I my depression went away. Now, do yeah. I still have episodes of it? Yes. But am I just sitting in bed every day now, just scrolling through social media, wanting to just not be here? And no, I don't feel that anymore. I don't. It never took a therapist. It never took medication. It took trust and it took faith. I mean, true faith. And it took work. I didn't yeah. just sit there and just be like, God, take it. And just sat there and waited for something to happen. There's a difference of outcomes when you put in faith but no work 
and when you put in faith and work. Say, yeah. say back in the day you were you were in Egypt and you were a farmer. You can't just be like, God, make these crops grow. Make the wheat come up from the ground. No. God may supply the rain, but you have to do you, you this is gonna sound funny, but you have to cultivate the ground. You have to put seed <laughs> on it. You have to you have to grow it yourself. You have to make sure it's getting sufficient sunlight. You have to make sure you're making sure that the bugs aren't getting on it. You have to cut off the dead limbs. You have to put in work. And then God will provide the rain and allow for the crops to grow. It's a relationship with God. You put in work and he puts in work. You can't just expect something. And so many of our youth are failing to realize that. Extremely. We expect things to happen without us doing anything. It breaks my heart. It, It... it hurts because in high school, when I was blind to all the truth, I saw other kids like that. I see, I see kids post on social media some awful things, horrible. I, I hear people say awful things in my cafeteria, and they're sixth graders. It's it that too, but I, I see, I see kids with depression. Bipolar disorder. I've seen I've seen chronic anxiety. Or yeah. yeah, I've seen chronic anxiety. I've seen I've just seen drugs rip kids apart. Yeah. I've seen I've seen people struggle to get money to buy drugs. I've seen it all. In the area where I'm from, it may not seem like that's happening, but it's so so ha- it's it's it is it's a real thing. You never think it's going to happen until you see it. And I saw it. It it hurts to see kids like that. And just so... I want to say ignorant. They're, they they don't know what's going on. And when, and when you try to tell them about Jesus. The perfect man. The son of God. King of kings. Lord of lords. When you try to tell them about that, when you try to tell them that if you just give your promise to God and then you put in work, they say like, oh, give your promise to God. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then you try to tell them, hey, listen, read your Bible, pray, attend church every now and then. You don't have to attend every single Sunday, but attend church every now and then. Start meeting people. Your problems will go away. Yeah. Now, now, am I saying that they're gone forever? No. No. I still deal with stress. I still deal with some anxious thoughts. Same. But for the most part, I am the happiest I have ever been. And it only started when I really following God. Yeah. You got something to say about that? Yeah, so it's it's because a lot of people try to put their only source of joy and happiness into things that are temporary. And you hear these Christians say, oh, everything in this world is temporary. But when you actually sit back and look at it, it makes sense. It's like me trying to buy like a truck 
went five years ago. I try to buy a truck and I try to make it from the age of 10 to the age of 100 with that exact same truck. That truck isn't built for that long of a time. That truck isn't built to be that reliable. After a few years, you got to replace it. After a few years, you got to replace your fridge, your TV, your phones, everything you kind of, every piece of technology you have to replace and everything in your life you have to replace. Your clothes, your, your bed sheets, your everything in this world that you use on a regular basis, you have to replace eventually. And if those things that you are using on a regular basis are temporary in itself in your lifetime where you have to replace them, then what makes you think that they will bring you constant joy and happiness and love and security for the rest of your life? It, it won't. The only thing that is not replaced all the time is God. He is always there. He's the one who loves you and cares for you. And us Christians aren't trying to sell you a faulty drug where it's like, you know, take one bottle of this Jesus pill and you'll be fine. No, no, no. It, you have to trust in him and you have to put in some work and like actually go out and seek him and seek for the wisdom because I love this analogy. But it's not like you are sitting by your bed. Your bed's not made and your mom tells you, hey, you know, make your bed. And this one kid goes, all right, mom, I will do. And for the next three hours, he's praying out to God, crying, saying, send an angel down to make my bed. Now, God won't make your bed for you. He won't throw a magical wind up there and suddenly fix your bed. But he will give you strength. There are two polar opposites of living, of working the wrong way, which is working without faith, where you try to do everything on your own terms, on your own understanding. And even Christians do it. Look at me in my past relationship with my ex. I tried literally everything on my own strength to make it work. I would pray to God every here and there, but it seemed like I wasn't trusting in him as much as I should. And that's now why I'm in the position after multiple, multiple mistakes. That's why I'm in the position of being single now. But in the other thing is people have faith, but they don't have any action. They don't have any work for it. They don't go out and seek for it because I can give you literally all the avenues to become the, the swollest person alive or the richest person alive. But if you lay in your bed every single day and don't do any of that, don't do any of what I give you, then there's nothing going to change about you. You have to be a disciple. And what a disciple means is you have discipline. You strive every single day to be more and more like your teacher. And is that no matter how hard it takes, no matter how hard life gets, you don't give up. You sit down, you pray to God, and you trust in him. Because if he is the same God that can take care of bears and birds and wheat alike, where he takes care of everything what we would call, us humans would call natural, then how about the one that he made in his image, the one that he gave wisdom for, the one that he died for? Why don't you think he would provide for you? You see, it isn't some magical thing where Jesus automatically, 
boom, done. No more depression, anxiety. You live a happy, happy life. No, no, no. Life's going to come at you. Life is going to suck sometimes. But it isn't the fact that we're always happy. It's the fact of the matter that no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at us, is that we still stay faithful to God and still trust in his promises. But the youth of now tend to want to jump off as soon as it gets hard because they think it's going to last forever. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like the church got it wrong for the youth where they try to tell the youth, hey, trust in Jesus. You will be so happy. It'll be like every time we go out to church camp. But it's not, it's not that. We have to actually instruct people of how to be a disciple of Christ and not just a bystander, not just a fan of him. We have to actually be a disciple and work and be there. And there will come problems, absolutely. But there will also come joy and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit that God tells us about. Amen. Do you have anything to say on that? Or anything to say in general? I would just, I just want to give an encouragement to, to the youth. If you guys are listening to this. You are God's child. You are loved. You are cared for. And he sees you. He sees the struggles. He sees the pain. He understands that. And he's going to be there for you. He is. It sucks that 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 you have to wait for for things to happen. It took so many years for God to appear to me, to physically appear to me, through in the form of my pastor. It took it took nineteen years for God to call me. Through all the times I thought I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. Know, I have no idea. How am I going to make money? How am I going to be financially okay? How am I going to be able to support a family with this? How? Guys, we're still young. We are so young. God has a plan for you. Just as he did with the Israelites. Just as he did in Canaan. Just as he did in Egypt with Joseph. Just as he did with Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac. Just as he did with Jesus Christ, his son. He had a plan. It took 400 years in between the Old and the New Testament. 400 years. But God was still there. Still there to save his people 400 years later. That just shows that he's gonna make you wait. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, that's crazy. But just an encouragement. He sees you and he loves you guys. Uh, and yeah, and people will hate you. There will be many nations and people that will utterly like. It's not the best thing to hear, but there will be people who just straight up don't like you because of your faith. Jesus says that this will happen. 
But instead of giving up and shipwrecking your faith and or uh, just taking it down, deconstructing it, that's the word, instead of doing that, push all the more further into him because they don't have any stance of judgment. They don't have a God behind them telling you what you're doing is wrong. They just have their own sinful nature and hatred against God. So be like Noah in the midst of him for hundreds of years, being ridiculed and mocked, being like, hey, bud, why are you, why are you building this giant boat? You know, he, he had to tell them that water was going to fall from the sky. He had to tell them a flood was going to happen and water was going to fall from the sky. And to them, that seemed utterly ridiculous because it never rained before. But he trusted in God. He, no matter how stupid he looked, he ultimately knew that what God said was going to happen. He had faith in God, and he was the him and his family were the only people saved because they were the only ones who believed in God. So be like Noah and don't conform to the rest of the world because the rest of the world wants to drag you away from God, wants to get you addicted to sin, wants you to be enslaved to sin, and ultimately wants you to die and go to hell. So trust in God who is loving and cares for you and wants you to do well. In, in the book of Daniel, we we hear about the, the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the fiery furnace, King King Nebuchadnezzar II threw them into the fiery furnace, but they didn't die. Think about that. They didn't die. Three Hebrew men refusing to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar stood up to him. And they were rewarded. They were they were spared their lives. God God was not done with the, those three people yet. They weren't. He wasn't done. Yeah. Which shows. I, I, just thinking about that, really, it, my mind's kind of just like going off. It's. It makes me think of like. I've been in so many near accidents while driving. Some of them, me, yes, but most of them was because of other people. Other people about to hit me, other people not knowing when to stop. I've had so many people almost uh, rear end me. But I... Out of the five years I've been driving, I just I've never been in an accident. Knock on wood, <laughs> never been in an accident. I've been in many, many close ones, and I kid you not. Every time after that happens, I always look up at the sky. I'm like, man, God got me again. Because God can take you home whenever He wants. Oh yeah, He can He can stop your heart. Be like, you're coming home now. God, I could die in an accident. I could. But I haven't yet. Yet. <laughs> I, I haven't. Out of all the times I've almost, I haven't. God, yeah. that just shows. And we'll, he's going to be there. What's up? 
Wilson, do you know what happened after the fiery furnace? Because every single time in like worship songs and whatnot, they always say, and they were saved and they lived after the fiery furnace. But do you know what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Enlighten me. What happened is, is after that, Nebuchadnezzar saw that their God protected them. He had God being proclaimed throughout the entire nation saying you have to bow down to his God because, you know, he's clearly the only one taking action in his creation. And what he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is either he made them rulers over things or he made them rich. I can't remember. I think he made them rulers over certain districts. But with their faith of God, not only were they saved and spared from a horrific death, they also prospered. And this isn't me being like, have faith and you'll do amazing. But God takes care of his children. And whenever he sees fit, he will have things happen. When he saw fit that Solomon became the richest man in the world, it was ultimately to show the glory of God. Yep. When he wanted Jesus to be the utter lowest and poorest coming into his birth and then dying the most humiliating way, he had that happen. Because ultimately, it was for his purpose. No matter if you're rich or poor or being amazingly happy at the moment or downright depressed, no matter if you're tall, short, no matter if you have advantages in life or you don't, throughout everything, God will use you for his purpose and for his will. And, so trust and, him. And in his likeliness, it, he, as Matthew said, he's here for everyone. When Jesus died... On the cross, the curtain was ripped in the tabernacle. I believe, yeah, it was the tabernacle, right? I think it was. Uh, I think so. Yeah, it was the tabernacle. The holy place where sinners and only certain people of the highest authority could only go in. That curtain was ripped, tore down. No more. Anyone can enter in God's house. Anyone can worship in the way. God cares about all of us equally. And he sent his son for that reason. I, I'm just that was one of my favorite stories. When the, yeah. when, the when the curtain ripped, it, it's what, it's so cool because it also if you look throughout the entirety of the Old and New Testament, whenever the religious people got extremely mad, what they would do is they would rip off their clothes. In yep. Job, you can see he gets mad and he's like yelling to God. He rips off his shirt. The Pharisees, when they got mad at Jesus, they yelled blasphemy and then ripped off their shirt. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, but it's just cool seeing that God cared for Jesus and that when he got killed, you had the earthquakes and then the veil was torn like God was ripping the, his shirt off. But throughout it all, it was all for a purpose. Even when you can't see it, like the disciples couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. they, they, Jesus told Peter multiple times, hey, I'm going to be crucified for you. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be killed. And so it is ultimately for the greater good. And Peter, even through the midst of that, he was saying like, no, you're not going to. I'm not going to allow this to happen. In a later instance, he's like, no, don't let this happen. Like, uh, then he goes, I will never depart from you. Trust me, Lord, I will never forsake you. And then Jesus is like, well, you see here, you're going to deny me three times. And yeah. even after being told that, he still went out and, and he still went out and denied Jesus three times. It's like the, 
the apostles, they were all scattered. They all couldn't understand. They were all hopeless and they were all blinded essentially by their own human will of Jesus being alive. And when this entire situation happened where Jesus got arrested, they, they were all freaking out. They could not see the greater good because they were so focused on the there and now that they couldn't see the rest. And so, but it all worked out. I'd say it all worked out for the better of all Christians. Everybody who's a Christian, it worked out for them. It worked out for all the apostles. It worked out for everybody who just believes in Jesus, yet not a lot of people do because they love their sin too much. And it's sad. It is. It really is. Ending off on this note, even though it is sad, there's still a hope. There will forever and always it will be a hope for as long as this earth is rotating. But to end it on, and I didn't want to end on a sad note, I want to end on a high note. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. If you guys, uh, at the time of this recording, the third blog post is up. Uh, third blog post called The Mustard Seed. You guys want to go check that out? You can. Uh, it's out now. I think this is going to be um the 26th. I think this is going to be the last episode of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Guys, may, make your New Year's resolutions. Um, uh, we love Prepare you guys. to break them. <laughs> Pre- yeah, prepare to break them in two weeks after New Year. <laughs> but... <laughs> Again, we do really do appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for your constant support. Big things are coming in 2022. Um, yep. So, all right, guys. Love you so much, and we'll see you next year. God bless. God bless. <laughs>